This is Recorded Future, Inside Threat Intelligence for Cybersecurity. Hello, everyone, and thanks for joining us. I'm Dave Bittner from the CyberWire. This is Episode 1 of the Recorded Future podcast. Today is our first episode, and we're excited to embark on this new podcast focused on the topic of threat intelligence. We're going to be taking you inside the world of threat intelligence for cybersecurity, sharing stories from the trenches and the operations floor, as well as giving you the inside skinny on established and emerging adversaries. We'll also talk current events, technical tradecraft, and offer insights on the big-picture issues in our industry. You'll hear from the experts on the Recorded Future team, industry leaders, and special guests. We here at the CyberWire are happy to be partnering with Recorded Future as we help you learn everything you want to know, and maybe a thing or two you'd rather not know, about the world of threat intelligence. Today, we're going to start with the basics and talk about what cyber threat intelligence is, find out how we got where we are, explore the importance of setting measurable goals, and much more. We're joined by Stefan Trouvé, Recorded Futures CTO and co-founder, Levi Gundert, Recorded Futures Vice President of Intelligence and Strategy, and Robert M. Lee, CEO and founder of Dragos Incorporated. Threat intelligence is very simply knowledge of the adversary. That's Robert Lee from Dragos. It is generally analyzed information, um, meaning to some level of interpreted data and information relating to a entity that has the intent, opportunity, and capability to do you harm. So threat intelligence is really all the external information you can gather around a company or an organization which helps you assess the, the risk situation around it, you know, both present and future threats. That's Stefan Trouvé, Recorded Futures co-founder and chief technical officer. He makes the point that while threat intelligence may be a relatively recent addition to the cybersecurity toolbox, it isn't really a new idea. It goes way back. In the old days when you were protecting a city, you used to build a wall around the city to protect it. And uh, that sort of stopped the enemy once they got there. But of course, you, you wanted to understand what was happening. So you had your spies on the outside who were trying to gather information and, and see if the enemy was getting closer and if they were arming themselves, what kind of arms do they have and, and so on. So in modern times, of course, this has continued. And as more and more information has become digital, the kind of threat intelligence we do has become more important. We quickly saw in, in the early 2000s that there was uh, there was essentially a need to have awareness of threats and risk to the business, you know, prior to it actually affecting the business. Levi Gundert is Recorded Futures VP of Intelligence and Strategy. Financial services was really the first industry to look at building these cyber threat intelligence teams and, and the capabilities and resources necessary to, to build those programs and show value to the business. And I think now, you know, five Six years later, you're seeing a lot of other industry verticals sort of follow financial services lead. And now you're seeing threat intelligence teams that are either part of an incident response team or are their own team, you know, working with other operational security teams under the CISO umbrella. And you're seeing those types of capabilities spread across really all industry verticals now as there is a much more tacit acknowledgement that this is a, a critical capability for a business to have in order to properly do risk risk analysis. You don't want to be one step behind and discover that someone is at your doors or inside your system. You want to be able to anticipate that and, and take countermeasures before things happen. 
We talk a lot in cybersecurity about information overload, the virtual firehose of data that can come at any of us throughout the day. It's an important distinction. When and how does information become intelligence? The difference between information and intelligence is is really that intelligence is a what you call it a refined product. You know, you you gather all kinds of information and you you make assessments about what is credible or not, and you really try to build a more informed picture of something. Information can fit into a, a becoming intelligence, if you will, once it meets an intelligence requirement. That's Robert Lee. But it's really got to be analyzed, and I think that's a. Part of the problem in the industry is the misunderstanding of the relationship of data to information to intelligence. A lot of folks who get fed up with threat intelligence are really just getting fed up with vendors sending them feeds of data, uh, like an IP address or the fact that the IP address is malicious or digital hash. That's not intelligence. That's just data. Um, To be information, data has to answer a yes or no question. So is this IP address malicious and what is it related to? Oh, it's command and control for this specific piece of malware. Well, now it's information that's still not necessarily useful depending on your requirements. So to make it intelligence is the process of taking various sources of information, analyzing it together and coming up with some sort of an assessment that meets an intelligence requirement. There's information that comes from actively scanning the internet. There's information that comes from passively listening to information on the internet. There's information that comes from sandboxing and processing malware samples. There's information that comes from the web and and the internet in general, both open forums and, and closed sources like criminal forums. There's a lot of different ways to obtain information. But it's really analysts that have to determine what the value of that information is on on an ongoing basis. And so there's a tendency to want to pull in anything and everything, but you have to think about what the value of that stream really is. A threat has to have three core things, intent, opportunity, and capability. Malware is just the capability. The vulnerability in your people, organization, systems, whatever else is that opportunity. But intent is a hostile intent that's leveraged by a human. So the threat is the human. Malware is just a capability. So a lot of the information overload that we've seen in the industry has been an overfocus on malware and an overfocus on relabeling malware reports as threat intelligence reports. First of all, we aggregate a far larger number of sources and bits of information than any human could possibly read. And then we also algorithmically group it together. So if there are numerous mentions about the same event, they get put into one bucket, so to speak. We also have algorithms which see what is trending so that you can get help uh, prioritizing what you should be focusing on. You know, there is always a lot of noise around and you really want to see what uh, is of most importance because there's an anomaly or something is trending or something like that. So it's really gathering a lot of information, aggregating it for you and helping you prioritize it. When you think about strategic threat intelligence, it's looking at specific threats, it's looking at trends and threats, and it's, it's actually producing metrics for the business so things like how many you know new security architecture improvements or changes are happening based on the strategic threat intelligence being done by analysts uh, what are the number of new internal threat hunting methodologies that are being documented uh, based on you know the threat intelligence being done by these analysts um, what's the no- annualized number of updated loss probabilities that are delivered to senior executives and the board Um, Those are some of the metrics that that come out of strategic threat intelligence, but it's really the process of taking the threat domain and translating it into the language of risk for senior decision makers. 
to be good threat intelligence, to be the stuff that, that we really talk about that crosses the threshold of what we want in the industry, you're talking around analyzed information. A human analyst who has experience and expertise along the lines of what the intelligence requirements are is able to take disparate portions of information, combine it together, and answer that intelligence requirement with an assessment or some sort of productized form like a report. Another way to make the flow of information manageable is through the behind-the-scenes use of machine learning and artificial intelligence. A lot of what we do is based on natural language processing, and so we're able to identify important pieces of information uh, based on where it appears and how it appears in context. So we're actually able to pull out different pieces of a sentence and then determine whether those pieces of the sentence add up to something that's important or not. So these are things that humans can do. It's just that with the volume of information we have, it's impossible for humans to, to master all that. The second category is really where machine learning is used to do tasks which are, I would say, essentially impossible for humans to do. So one example is that we've developed a, a way to predict future uh, malicious IP addresses. Essentially, you know, you, we talked about threat lists earlier, and those are really today mostly describing things which have already ha happened. We also produce threat lists for IP addresses which we think will be malicious, you know, maybe four or five days into the future. And the way we do that is that we've gathered years of historic information about IP addresses which have behaved maliciously and the context in which they have been mentioned and so on. And then we fed this into a machine learning system. And what that has done is really then found, a, you could call it a, a hidden model for what determines if a previously and hitherto unseen IP address will be malicious in the future. And this is a very complex thing to do. You know, it's, this algorithm is looking at thousands of parameters around that IP address, what, what neighbors it has in the IP address space, how people have been talking about those, how they've been behaving and so on. So it's much more complicated than what you really as a human can fathom. So here machine learning is really doing something which we couldn't do as humans. And I think that's pretty interesting. That's the exciting part moving forward to, to not only automate things which humans can do, but actually you know, break new barriers in, in what kind of threat intelligence we can provide using machine learning. One of the things our experts are in agreement about is that it's not enough to say, for example, I'm going to use threat intelligence to keep my organization safe. They emphasize the importance of establishing measurable goals. So to say, have a measurable goal about what you want to be able to accomplish, that in of itself could be an intelligence requirement or it could be even just a larger security requirement. So your larger security requirement might be that currently it takes your security operations and incident response folks three weeks to scope the environment when new information about an adversary is out. And your measurable goal is to reduce that three-week scoping process um, to under you know five days. And then to do that, you might come up with an intelligence requirement to say, okay, well, what types of threats is my organization facing? Where is the risk for us? Because if I try to scope everything that comes in, I'm gonna take three weeks to do it every single time. But if I can say I, as a financial organization, have a different threat landscape than the energy company in Kuwait, I can reduce the amount of information that I'm getting delivered, and that will naturally help me meet my security requirement better. So my intelligence requirement is knowledge around what threats are operating in my industry at any given time, and now I can measure and perform against that. You know, the business understands risk. They understand the language of risk. Threat intelligence, when it can inform a really good quantitative risk analysis model, is going to be really effective because when you're able to be specific about risk, 
you can list off all the statistics about operational efficacy improvements, but you can also go to senior executives of the board and say, here's the specific probabilities around these threats, and these are the specific loss estimates correlated to these threats in a particular year. When you can do that based on the threat intelligence that your analysts are doing strategically, it becomes a much more powerful capability and it's much easier to communicate the value. You'll often hear the phrase, there are no magic bullets in cybersecurity. So when's the right time to add threat intelligence to your toolbox? And how do you properly set your expectations? Intel to me is not the end-all be-all, and it is not the magic pixie dust that fixes the industry. It is that 5% secret sauce that you can add to each category. So if you're already a mature organization doing good things, you have patch policies, you have done well, and you're trying to do better, that's when you add in intelligence. And in the beginning status, it's actually very useful to hire one or two really smart people to start thinking about the problem and use outside vendors to complement what you want to be doing and also to see what you do and don't like. As you go through that process, you will find what suits you. And you will continually be able to have a relationship with that one or two or few um, intelligence vendors that are providing you exactly what you need and a capability that you can't obtain today, especially as it comes to data access. The decision to use outsourced versus in-house intelligence comes to a discussion of what can they provide us that we can't do internally? And is there unique access that they have that they can provide us? So it's almost a return on investment discussion, but not truly. Um, It's just sort of teetering along that. And additionally, at the very beginning, if you're just starting out a new security operations center, if you're just starting out a new security approach in general, you can bring intelligence in at the beginning of that cycle as well to try to identify what your appropriate maturity would look like in the face of threats. So Intel should be at the very beginning and the very end of your process. Outsource first in-house should be based on requirements and what you can generate. Robert M. Lee from Dragos Incorporated. Our thanks to Robert, Stefan Trouvet, and Levi Gundert for sharing their views on threat intelligence, and thanks to you for checking out this podcast. Before we let you go, don't forget to sign up for the Recorded Future Cyber Daily email, and every day you'll receive the top results for trending technical indicators that are crossing the web, cyber news, targeted industries, threat actors, exploited vulnerabilities, malware, and suspicious IP addresses, and much more. You can find that at recordedfuture.com slash intel. You can also find more intelligence analysis at recordedfuture.com slash blog. We hope you've enjoyed the show and that you'll subscribe and help spread the word among your colleagues and online. The Recorded Future podcast team includes coordinating producer Amanda McCone, executive producer Greg Barrett. The show is produced by Pratt Street Media with editor John Petrick, executive producer Peter Kilpie, and I'm Dave Bittner from The Cyberwire. Thanks for listening. Thank you.